And now, from our studios in Kansas City, Sci-Fi For Me Radio is live from the bunker. It is Monday, October 19th. Welcome, everyone. We are live from the bunker. Jason Hunt here in the studio. And a little bit of a programming note. We have had a little bit of a snag uh, with today's guest. We're waiting to hear uh, back, apparently. Um... We may have to reschedule a little bit. Hopefully, uh, everything is okay. Originally, we were going to have uh, Lance Briggs and Kyle Higgins on. Kyle has had to uh, move back just a little bit, so we're waiting to hear back on that. In the meantime, the live chat is open. The email address, live from the bunker at sci-fi for me.com. If you want to leave us a comment or feedback or suggest guests, I'm very much looking forward to the conversation with Lance Briggs and Kyle Higgins about their new comic book graphic novel that they are crowdfunding over a Kickstarter. It's called The Trap. And uh, we will definitely have them on. We just got to figure out best way to make that happen right now so we're looking at a couple of options waiting to hear back from them in the meantime here we go let us let us get started and uh, hang on hang on hang on we've got need to uh, wear my producer's hat here shortly just to uh deal with a couple of things all at once. Stand by here, folks. Where is it? Interesting. Here we go. Um, That's why we have bumper music, so uh, you know you can just kind of dance, 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 and uh, I can deal with this behind the scenes. See, this is this is why, Mrs. Boss, it would be helpful to have a uh, a talent booker, uh, an associate producer uh, who can who can help me with this stuff. Now, don't get me wrong; I, I want to be very clear. Mrs. Boss does yeoman's work. She does a lot of work around here to help me. That is not a complaint about her. So anyway, here we go. It is uh, it is Monday. It is the 19th of October. We are that much closer to Halloween, assuming that it actually happens. Um, so, all right. So, uh, so originally the plan was to have uh, Lance Briggs and Kyle Higgins on here. We are going to definitely make that happen. It's just not going to happen right now. Hello, Ryan Wynn in the chat. Welcome, sir. Uh, Ryan has his own 
crowdfunding book going on right now, Hammerella. We talked uh, we talked about that in a previous conversation here on the bunker. Mrs. Boss, could you put that link in the in the chat for me? The Ryan Wynn interview talking about Hammerella and uh, the. There's been there's been some activity over the weekend and last week uh, with regard to the Axinar project. I guess we could get into that just a little bit. Although giving giving Alec Peters any type of of tension right now kind of turns my stomach, so I might not do that. Let us instead turn our attention to a couple of pieces of. Uh, internal homework, busy work, and let you know you can save uh, 10% on your order when you use promo code SCIFI for me 10 over at SuperHeroStuff.com. Save you a little bit of money on swag. And if you are so inclined, you can send us some money. We have a Subscribestar account. We've got a PayPal account. We've got uh, the Super Chats if you're, if you're so inclined. I don't really push the Super Chats a lot. Because YouTube keeps 55% of it, uh, and I would rather keep all of it, but that's just me. I don't know. Call me greedy. Call me a capitalist. Call me an evil capitalist, because I would like to keep more of the money. Uh, speaking of, uh, besides that, we are also uh, uh, helping out with the Walking and Rolling Costumes virtual party that is going on currently now through Sunday. Tonight's episode is focused on the school STEM programs and uh, a couple of schools that are building costumes. The, the Walking and Rolling Costumes group, it is, a, it is a nonprofit organization, and they basically, with volunteers, build costumes for kids in wheelchairs, uh, kids using walkers, uh, special needs kids that have equipment that kind of makes it difficult for these kids to wear normal costumes. And so they're, they're, they put these things together. It's a worthy cause. It's a great organization. Uh, Lon Davis and his crew over there uh, putting these things together. And they've got volunteers all over the, all over the United States building costumes for kids with special needs. And they're always looking for more. And tonight is our fourth night uh, that uh, we'll be talking about that. We've got stories from stories from some of the families and stories from volunteers. And that's at 7 p.m. Central tonight. And then following that, uh, whenever that one gets done, uh, close to 8 o'clock, of course, we will have our usual... Uh, H2O podcast, and it will air in its entirety, as they used to say on, on the uh, on the broadcast network. So that is tonight, uh, H2O podcast following the Walking and Rolling virtual party. And yes, Ryan, Walking and Rolling is awesome. They are they do some really great work. Okay, so um, we are waiting to hear back on the trap. And in the meantime, let's. Uh, Wait, 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 wait. What did I see? What did I see? I see. Hold on. Um, Let us let us see what we can see here, because it looks like perhaps. Well, I don't know. We'll see if he's we'll see if he's in there. 
We are flying by the seat of our pants today, ladies and gentlemen, so stand by. We're just waiting to hear, hear see what's, uh, what's going on here. All right, so in the meantime, so all of the Axonar stuff was going on over the weekend. Basically, there's been a bunch of, uh, uh, of information posted over at uh, axamonitor.com. Uh, Carlos Pedraza has been uh, saying on top of this, there have been lawsuits and countersuits, and now... Uh, additional claims that are being added to the to the uh, to the countersuits, uh, and we are also uh, hearing about this new nine-part docu series that Robert Meyer Burnett and the other two gentlemen who are directors of the Axnor Project are putting together uh, to look at obsessive fandom in a in a broad sense, but also they will have some information focused specifically on the Axnor Project and. The settlement between Axonar and CBS, the doc, the actual document itself, has now been made public uh, in some way. I'm not sure if somebody got a hold of it or if it was actually released, but the document is out there now. Uh, the guys over at Axon Monitor have a copy. I have a copy. I've not had a chance yet to go through it, but it does appear that the Axonar project is still in violation of that settlement agreement that they have with CBS in terms of the copyright infringement and what they're allowed to do uh, in terms of merchandise and fundraising and, and the episodes that they're allowed to produce. Uh, the rules now are two 15-minute films that are connected with each other. Otherwise, if you're making another one, it has to be something separate. There are a lot of things that uh, that came out of that particular lawsuit, the rules for fan films that now are applied to everyone uh, as a consequence of that. But it does appear that uh, it does appear that um, Alec Peters and and Axenar are in violation of such. So uh, let's. Let's see how that plays out. Let me do this real quick. I want to see uh, if I can do a do a quick thing here. We're 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 flying. We're flying here. I've got I've got messages going back and forth, and every single thing that I'm doing here with all of these different screens, I'm still I'm still paying attention. I'm still I still got it. Um, I think maybe. <laughs> Uh, anyway, yeah, I'm, I'm not a big, I'm not, I'm not really, uh, the, yeah, see the Axonar thing, I really think it should be addressed and, uh, but I need to, I need to actually sit and go through the, the settlement agreement and, and see what the, what the stuff is for, um, uh, hang on just a second. We are waiting patiently because we've got word now that this might be happening today. So let's uh, let's do that. Let's do that. Hang on. Let me find it. There. <sighs> still making it. Still making it up as we go along. Wait a minute. Kyle Higgins, writer. For DC Comics, part of the New 52 uh, on Nightwing, uh, also a writer on the Gates of Gotham, 
director and co-writer of the short film The League. Uh, and he's also right now currently writing Mighty Morphin Power Rangers over at Boom Studios. Mr. Kyle Higgins is here. And let me see if I can get uh, that, that, is that the right one? There we go. It seems that a number of the the names that we usually associate now with DC or Marvel, there's you, there's Scott Snyder, there's uh, Sean Gordon Murphy, all's, all getting into the crowdfunded projects. It, have, has there been discussions behind the scenes on on that stuff as far as why why jump that direction? A 100 to 120 page. Um, endeavor is very challenging to do with any publisher um, because there's so much upfront um, labor and cost involved in putting together a project that will not come out in monthly installments um, through the direct market, but it will only ever come out as a done in one. Here's the whole thing. Um, It's a really awesome way to read a book and uh, it's a great format and structure uh and it allows for a lot of possibilities narratively i mean that's why i quite enjoyed writing the soul of the dragon um graphic novel i I just mentioned a minute ago but yeah it's it's tricky especially in the creator-owned space to put them together um and that's where crowdfunding comes in especially the time we we live in right now there's so much uncertainty um i think that's probably why you are seeing more creators take um kind of uh you know, financial control of, of their, of these projects and trying to bring them to life through different means. Um, because especially a few months ago, it was, yeah, it, it, you know, the comics industry, uh, is, is scary, uh, right now, much like the rest of the world is. So, um, that's probably why, or it's probably where you're seeing some of that, um, shift happening, but there have been plenty of creators who have, um, been utilizing Kickstarter for quite a long time. So, right. you know, it's not, it's not exactly, you know, brand new territory. All right. Well, and, uh, and we're able now, uh, once, uh, once Lance sits down again, I can actually do what I was originally planning to do, uh, with the two of you here. So, uh, as soon as he gets back. So let me, let me ask you this. Has, has there been, is this part of, a series? Have have you and Lance talked about this being? Is this a one and done, or is this something to go on further into other story? Well, we would certainly love to tell more stories in this world and um, this universe. And I think once we get into what the concept is, um, I think they'll probably make more sense to viewers uh, as to how there could very easily be more stories. But um, that doesn't happen unless the Kickstarter succeeds like we have to make we have to make this first one <laughs> you know right. like it it's none of that matters um if this first one uh doesn't work and isn't good and, and doesn't come out so um our priority our focus right now is on this one but if lance were uh sitting back down he would be he would actually be jumping out of his seat to talk about yes we want to do more like that is absolutely the goal no. um but uh we'll, we'll see uh you know, fingers crossed that, that we'll be able to cross that bridge. And let me uh, pull this up here. It's funding currently on Kickstarter right now over 30000 Uh You have a $35,000 goal, 10 days to go as of this discussion. So there is that. And uh, 
how uh, how much how much you know how nerve wracking is this to sit there and go when you know we're we're that close we're that close does it feel like the I mean it looks like you guys are going to make your goal I hope so um, there's no guarantee though so um, that's why we're trying to get the word out and talk more about the book uh, and the campaign. Um, so yeah, there's 10 days left and, um, 35 is our goal. I, I absolutely would not say no to going above 35 though. Um, so we, uh, the, the long and short answer to your question is yes, it's very, it's very nerve wracking. Uh, okay. (laughs) This is my first Kickstarter campaign. Yep. And Lance and I have talked before about, uh, it, it does feel like a roller coaster, you know, a roller coaster of expectations, mixed with um, curveballs or, or twists in the track, you know, and you're, okay, I have to adjust now. And, right. you know, oh, was our messaging not quite right here? Do we rework this, you know? Um, but at the end of the day, it is really exciting because, and not to speak for Lance, but uh, for me anyway, it feels real. Yeah. And when you get to this stage, like Lance and I have been working on the story behind the scenes for about a year and a half. And that's great but it takes on a whole other context and meaning and significance when you're actually in it and it's out in the world and you're, you're talking about like the very real next steps to, to making the book. And Mm -hmm. so through that lens, a campaign like this is really exciting because it means um, we're very close to, you know, to actually being able to put the book together for real. All right, well, uh, speaking of Lance, I can do a little bit of this here. Joining us in the show today, third round draft pick from the Arizona Wildcats, part of the National Football League, 12 years, a linebacker with the Chicago Bears. Nice. Mr. Lance Briggs joins us. (laughs) Hello, sir. How are you? Good. Thanks for being here. Sorry about all of the all of the the back and forth this morning, but glad to have the both of you here. Glad to be here. Yeah, so I'm, I'm excited. So Lance, let me ask you this because uh, there are there are a few times uh, that we have run across as part of the the genre community. We'll run across people that are unexpected geeks. I guess you could say people yeah. that you wouldn't normally associate with science fiction, fantasy, horror, comics, any of that. And so when when this came when this project comes across my radar, I sit there and go, Lance Briggs is a is is big in comic books. Well that's that's kind of cool. So where did your interest in comics first start? Let's get into your background a little bit on that side because growing up in Sacramento, because your 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 childhood your teenage years that informs this story yeah so how big into comics were you growing up uh huge um we me and my mother we visited the trading card stores probably i'd say at least bi-weekly and um um, whenever we were went into those stores after i had started picking up comics you know because comics were always on the on the walls um, on shelves, uh, I, every time we went in, I'd ask for at least at, at the very least, probably four or five comics. 
So, you know, from the age of six, going to trading card stores for throughout my whole childhood and teenage years, those every time I went to the uh, comic or trading block store, trading car, a card trading store, I would pick up at least five comics or more or led, you know, right around that, right around that range. So that's how long I've been um, following uh, uh, comics or been a fan of comics. And this particular book, uh, when when it comes to when it comes to the development of it, where the idea come from? Because you've talked in in other interviews about this being influenced by your background and and what's going on, what's what's been going on with you growing up in Sacramento. Yeah. How did you get the idea to do this as a as a graphic novel? Where did that start? Um, well, the idea uh, the idea really kind of uh, was sparked by. Um, a conversation that Kyle and I had and um, and in reference to um, Kyle met me as a professional football player for the Chicago Bears. Um, you know, him being from Illinois, me being a Chicago Bear, it was a natural fit, you know, but there there's so much that I had to explain to Kyle about what it took to get to Chicago and become a Chicago Bear, which is his favorite team and and us meeting and us having uh, like interest in comic books <clears throat> in the comic book industry. Um, so, you know, uh, basically my explanation was that um, there was a lot, a lot more went into me making it into professional sports or in professional football, becoming a professional football player than just having a skill and going out on the field and playing, you know, and, and being a good football player, you know, um, Obviously, you know about education, and and uh, there's there's a lot of tough decisions that had to be made um, by myself and by my community or or multiple communities and family members and and those that uh, that saw something special in me. Uh, <clears throat> so, uh, I I think one of the messages that I wanted to get to Kyle was that there were a lot of kids who had ability like mine or, or were better that we'll never hear about, you know, because these kids didn't have the, well, they didn't have the mom I had, they didn't have the support system that I had, and they didn't have the, you know, the, the way that my path was, was drawn out. They, they were, weren't as fortunate as I was. Um, so the focus on this story is what does it take for, um, for someone in a, in an unfortunate situation to, to make it out? What, what does it take? Will they succumb to uh, uh, their, their, uh, their, their, their surroundings, their, their uh, what do you call it, their demographic or their upbringing? Or are, will the community rise up and, and see that uh, this, this kid or this special one can get it out, can, can make it out? So what was the what was the conversation like that led you guys to decide to put this in a science fiction setting? Because this kind of story really can sit in a contemporary setting just as easily it could be science fiction. So what was the reasoning behind putting those trappings on it as opposed to just, hey, you know, this is Chicago, Sacramento, this is growing up on, on the, yeah. the wrong side of the tracks type of thing? Yeah. Why... Look, Go ahead. I think the cool thing about this story and, and us making it, uh, uh, you know, 200 years in the future 
is, uh, and especially through a science fiction lens, is um, we can we can take the kind of the current temperature of, of of our country, or even in the world that for that matter, and take you know marginally oppressed groups, and we can make it the entire planet. And by doing that, um, you know, everybody can try can can find themselves uh, walking in somebody else's shoes. Because you can all see yourselves. There's no one that lives on the planet Earth that isn't um, part of uh, part of this uh, group that that is frowned upon or or uh, a victim of the of a system that is uh, that has failed them. Go ahead, Kyle. Oh, well, I was just going to jump in and and just to echo that. the best science fiction is allegorical. And I think that while you can, while we could very easily discuss and explore some of these, um, these ideas in a contemporary setting, um, by exploring it through genre or using genre as a vehicle to explore it, it's a way to create some distance without um, really, you're not confronting people with issues there is a deeper meaning to the story if you choose to look there but at the same time i mean lance and i are both science fiction fans as well as a genre so you can you can we can do all this really fun world building and for you know we actually we have just by the way this interview started I don't think we've even talked about what the book actually is. So let me <laughs> let me kind of describe it real quick. Sure. It's a 120-page original graphic novel that posits a future where Earth, 200 years from now, has been annexed into this interstellar coalition of, of yeah. planets. But for a variety of reasons that we explore in the book, um, Earth has become something of the redheaded stepchild. Uh, it's It's kind of a, a, a marginalized planet within mm-hmm. the coalition. And so... Earth has also become a valuable asset in the interstellar um, drug trade, but it is very much looked down upon and kept down. Um, Again, for a variety of reasons. Variety of reasons, right. So our main character in this first story is a a 16-year-old boy named uh, Jalen Robinson, who is an up-and-coming kind of superstar in the interstellar sport of the future called surf riding. And it's a sport that is competed um, on all of the planets. It's yep. something that no matter what species you are, you can compete in the sport. And Jalen has a heck of a lot of potential. He's a, a child of the streets of what we knew as Chicago. Chicago. And he very much looks to have a way out, a way off world where um, there's a career, there's money, um, there's probably a version of uh, some semblance of fame as well. But um, the night before a few nights before a a really big race in the city um jalen gets involved uh with some some unsavory individuals that he he probably shouldn't uh take work from but he needs to repair his board he doesn't have a lot of options or finances to do so Mm -hmm. and so he agrees to boost basically this floater vehicle that happens to belong to an uh an alliance senator and it goes horribly wrong um he ends up shooting the senator it's an accident but the question as Lance was just alluding to of whether or not the community will rise up around him um, to, you know, support him and, and, and uh, or whether his life will kind of fall victim to the trap 
uh, like so many others have, is really one of the central questions here. And then the backdrop for all of that, again, gets into these, um, there's a lot of very eclectic characters that are yeah. a combination of um, just humans on earth, as well as interspecies um, uh, characters, as well as off-worlders. It really is a melting pot uh, on mm -hmm. earth these days. And that was something that was really appealing to both of us was creating a world and an environment where the problems of these communities that we're talking about are now the problems of everyone. And we are all in this together. I mean, in some ways, it's kind of like the ending of or it's the squid idea in Watchmen, right? Like mm -hmm. only a cosmic threat that is a threat against us all is what will actually unite us and what we can find commonality in. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, again, that's kind of the best the best version of science fiction um, can can explore ideas like that in in a non confronting way. So the some, oh go ahead, go ahead Lance. There's some you know it's funny because there's some I think there's also some some um, some pieces of of Star Wars as well. You know when you think of like the Republic and you know um, those that are rebelling against them, the rebellion, those that are fighting in the rebellion. Um, because in the, I think the, the, in the, the grand scheme of things here, you know, everyone on earth, no matter what your difference is, um, you know, uh, good, bad, like hate indifferent, um, it's, everyone's going to have to realize that, it, that we, we have to band together and in order to make, uh, make the right changes on this planet. So when when the the conversation comes up about the kind of sport, because you, this is surf riding, this yes. is not you know this is not football. This is not uh, not your typical sport that people are are used to. Uh, are there rules? Is this like uh, is this like uh, uh, Calvin and Hobbes uh, making up their rules as they go, or did you guys do a lot of world? <laughs> In the world building, does this sport actually have everything lined out? You guys figure that out? Um, for it's for the most part, I think the 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 groundwork for it has been laid. Um, <clears throat> we we kind of went back and forth because Kyle Kyle really wanted us there to be a sport attached to this, especially the, to this story. And so I, you know, I went back. I was just trying to think of how we could do a different variation of football or a future variation of football. And I just didn't see it working out because you have um, various alien species, you know, now, you know, do these alien species move faster than humans or humans faster than them? How do we uh, make it so it's, it's on a, 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 a fair playing field? Um, but one of the coolest concepts that, you know, I've been to X Games, Summer X Games, I've been to Winter X Games. Um, uh, I, I attempted to be a skateboarder briefly when I was a kid. It didn't work out so well. Um, but, um, but I always thought that um, um, between skateboarding and surfing, it, there were some really cool techniques and really cool things. It's such a, uh, uh, such a culture. Um, and in the future, if you were able to defy um, all of you know the 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 elements or the or or the the ge geographical issues, you know if you could 
if you can if you can skate with wheels at high speeds or uh, defy gravity, if you can propel through water, you know, in a race and still, you know, be um, graded on your your style points and speed and who can who can make there and the, who can make it past the finish line first. Um, I really just see it as kind of the evolution of the sport, you know, and um, I think a lot of people can relate to uh, skateboarding, the culture or surfing, surfing as a sport. So yeah, the, the, the rules of surf riding are far less important than what surf riding represents in the story. Sure. Mm -hmm. So it, it, it's a sport that again, is an even, as Lance just said, it's an even playing field that a variety of species can compete on, but it also serves as a form of escapism, much like yeah. sports serve us right now, or yeah. just in the world in general. It's a form of fan, uh, wish fulfillment and escapism, as well as a potential avenue towards a better life for, um, for certain athletes. And that's no different in our book than it is in, you know, modern day uh, uh, America here. Well, and in terms of uh, the world building, was there, you know, because you, you talk about setting this 200 years in the future, of course, you've got to project forward what does society look like that? And and there are a lot of people, uh, creators, who get really deep in the weeds of every little bit and piece of minutiae in this new world. Were you able... <laughs> That's me. Were there, were there conversations then that got into that? I mean, was, was, oh, yeah. there, was there debate or any kind of conversation where where one of you wanted to just paint with a broad brush and one of you get really nitpicky into every little nook and cranny of this of this new world oh yeah, yeah. i mean yeah that's that's kind of the that you just you just described our entire relationship um <laughs> yeah. no it's but that's kind of the that's the cool thing is like we approach these we approach world building um and character building completely differently. And, you know, so much of the fun of, of writing is being able to imagine these different worlds and these different people. And well, how did they get this way? And how did this world get this way? Um, and if this happens, well, what were the, what would the natural ramifications be from there? Um, and so Lance definitely did a ton of work on this stuff, um, especially up front. I tend to approach it a little bit differently only because it's just what I've become familiar with over the years is like, I tend to world build in service of what I know the narrative needs to do. Mm -hmm. So sometimes I won't, you know, I'm not going to, I will never be Tolkien and write entire chapters about the foliage on the trees <laughs> of middle earth. You know, I'm right. just, I'm not that guy. Um, but on the flip side, I think that, having that kind of like really um, narrow focus on, well, how does this world building, how is this useful to us narratively? What does it get us narratively is a way to, um, I just think it's the best of both worlds because Lance can build a lot of different concepts and ideas and I can go in and I can, I can figure out, okay, well, if we can't do it here, Lance, what if we do it over here? Or maybe yeah. this isn't in volume <clears throat> one, maybe this is later, or, Hey, if we just tweak this, this is actually great. Or this just as it is, is really great here. And it gets us this, this, and this, um, What's the direction puts the direction into, you know, um, uh, 
these thoughts. You know, I, I'll have thoughts, and then um, Kyle will make sense of it. You know, and that's uh, that's been fun. Well, and so much of like the the start of the projects and where the idea came from, and the the early conversations as Lance was was just talking about walking me through what it took to get to the Chicago Bears. Mm -hmm. That also came um, during the same, you know, sit down where we were going over characters that that Lance had built and he really wanted to, you know, find stories for. And so building out this um, this world that is now uh, the version of Earth for the trap um, was also a way to create a sandbox that a lot of these characters or these characters with some adjustments could absolutely have lives in. And um, I think it, it ended up being a really, really nice mix. One thing that I thought one thing that we, we agreed upon uh, early was um, the effect of artificial intelligence sure. and how we didn't want that to be a, a focal point so, you know, coming up with a, with a history or a, um, a timeline in where we can kind of nullify um, artificial intelligence being something that, you know, we're not living in a world where we're, we have all these robots and, and you know, human, humanoid type, type uh, of characters, um, because it's just, it, it, doing that, it, it just would take too much away from the story, I think. So let me ask you this then, because in, in when you bring up artificial intelligence and robots, the natural next question is social media and its impact it? on everything. <laughs> well, well, because why? You, why? Now I'm curious. Why you is look that at, natural? You look at the <clears throat> the way algorithms are in play now. You talk uh -huh. about you know the the influence that society you know we've got society now uh, depending heavily on. Uh, social media for their news and for their communications and the ability to connect with each other. And there are questions about how much the algorithms have an impact on what you see, what you post, and, and that sort of thing. And Lance, with you saying we want to eliminate AI as a thing, that, you know, the the next part of that is machine learning yeah. And the stuff like well, Google and YouTube is that eliminated from your world there, in this book? There, it's there's there's it, AI isn't completely eliminated, but the, in the timeline, um, you know, and this is something that will come more into play, you know, once we make this first book and then moving on to the next couple arcs, you know, where you know Lord Whittle allows us to do that and um, the fans take to our story, but um, it's during the timeline we created an event that um that basically um um bans all of the the 13 planets a situation that, that that arises that that all 13 planets agree that we will we're we're going to limit the uh the ability that we're going to the science behind ai we're basically going to limit what we can do with ai we're not going to have humanoid figures you know it'll it'll just be in in a very light kind of um um, hospitable uh, forms, you know, things right. where you can't be a, become a danger to you. <clears throat> okay. All right. So let me ask you this then, the name The Trap, uh, this uh, comes from your background 
how much of Lance Briggs's childhood, teenage years, how much of your life is in this book? Did did you draw from your own personal experience a lot, a little? It's just peripherally influencing things. Yeah, I actually like that. Peripherally, um, in a lot of ways. Yeah, I did draw from my my childhood, my childhood experiences, um, friends, you know, um, and then, you know, when I, when I made it professionally, even when I made it, uh, you know, in the college, you know, we, there were so many similarities that I had with a lot of the players that I played with um, and just learning their history and their stories and uh, what it took for them to make it to the pros, you know, it was, it, it, again, like I said, it's so much more than just a skill and being able to go out there and play football for a lot of these guys growing up, you know, surviving the day was part of you also having to get good grades and, and having great attendance, you know, and, and make sure you make all the right decisions. You don't turn left um, at, at Pico street, you know, you make sure you turn right every uh, and, and go the long way to get, because you know that there's trouble down that street. And right. There are, there are just perils and there are things that you have to understand uh, that you have to understand as a kid, you know, when you live in some of these unfortunate areas. Yeah, but every, every writer, every writer writes themselves in one form or another. Right. So, I, I mean, I write characters that the, the trick is finding a way to take the experiences that you have in your life mm -hmm. and frame them in a way that is relatable for other people. And so the, like, this is not, this is not Lance's story. Like this sure. is not Lance grew yeah. up. This is exact like peripherally influenced is a great way to put it. Yeah. So there's a lot of aspects of Jalen that are close to home for Lance. Um, but there's just as much that is fictionalized and it's a product mm -hmm. of the environment and the world that we have created in the book. Um, so it's, it's, again, I, I think like, it's, it's kind of like every artist ends up drawing themselves as well. I don't know if mm -hmm. you ever noticed that, but like, um, yeah. there are certain, like, I love Sean Murphy's art. And then I met Sean, I was like, oh, I get it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you kind of see like, uh, like a, a nose might look similar to that person's actual nose or like Adam Kubert tends to draw like really big hands on his characters and they look really cool. And then I met Adam and I shook his hand. I was like, Oh yeah. Okay. That makes total sense. You know, um, all of Olivier Coipel's characters kind of look like swimmers. And then you meet Olivia and you're like, it's not fair that someone this, this, you know, gorgeous looking can also draw like this, you know? Um, so I, I, it's no different on the writing front either. Like we are influenced by, um, our own experiences. Right. And I think a, a good writer knows how to tap into that. And again, um, it's grist for the mill. And, and that's, that's the case here um, in a variety of ways. On the flip side of that, was there ever a concern that there would be too much self-insertion? Did you, did you ever find yourself having to pull back a little bit and say, ah, this is a little too close to home for me? Um, not for me. Not for me. Um, you know, I, I think as we narrowed down... Um, um, the first arc, uh, it, it, it started to become a little more clear for me, especially when, when we were getting ready to prepare for the Kickstarter. 
Um, I it, that's when it kind of really clicked for me that wow, this is this is this does really hit home. You know, I know we wanted to make sure that that we made the planet, you know, uh, um, uh, uh, the 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 entire planet a marginalized group, which you know I relate to really well. Um, but uh, as we started getting word toward the Kickstarter, now Jalen and us looking at the first images of Jalen and and um, us both agreeing like this is that's him, like this is Jalen right here. Um, I really wanted a a kid that uh, was a. Um, you know, he's a, he's a good-hearted kid with a you know, and with a great confidence, um, and I, and I think I, I certainly wanted those qualities because I felt like those qualities um, are similar to my own, and so you know, we didn't, I didn't want any, uh, I just wanted a kid that had a great smile, you know, and when we saw the picture, <laughs> the kid had a great smile. We both knew that was a guy. So the decision to go with Kickstarter, because there are a number of graphic novels and comic book projects that are funding on Kickstarter. There are a number of them funding on Indiegogo. So what was, uh, what was behind the decision to use Kickstarter instead of Indiegogo? Was there a, 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 a particular reason? Because Indiegogo lets you keep whatever you raise, whereas Kickstarter is all or nothing. And there's been some discussion about the fact that Kickstarter has had to lay off some staff. Uh, I don't know if they're in any trouble or not, but there's, you know, there's been some chatter online about one over the other. What what decided it for you that we're going to go Kickstarter? Uh, Indiegogo was never an option. Like that was not something that we ever considered. Why not? Um, Well, the community on Kickstarter is much, much bigger. So while Indiegogo, you're, you're totally right. Indiegogo lets you, you, you keep everything that you raise. Um, just from talking to different creators, um, the, the community base on, on Kickstarter, particularly with regards to comics is, is uh, my understanding is that it is, is significantly bigger. So um, that was always what we were, you know, what our plan was. And we were working with a, a really great, you know, publicist who has a lot of experience with, with Kickstarters. And so that was, um, that was definitely what informed our decision there. Some projects have done both. Has there, has there been any discussion about maybe doing a, a, a backup, a second, a second project, a second campaign on Indiegogo after this one's done? You're killing me. Uh, you mean <laughs> if it doesn't work or what? No, no, no. Just as a just as a second, say say people miss out on the first project, you know, the first campaign. You know your your campaign looks like it's going to fund in its time period, so it looks like you're going to make your goal. Um, but some some projects they'll go back and they'll do a second campaign, like for. Uh, additional material or add-ons or supplemental uh, supplemental projects or, or different things like that to add more to it. Or, you know, you've got some that'll do uh, a campaign on Indiegogo and then they'll do the same campaign on Kickstarter just because you use both platforms. So is there, is there a, pre- I'm, I'm sensing that there's a preference for Kickstarter regardless. That's a good question, Kyle. <laughs> I mean, um, I mean, 35,000 on Kickstarter, 30,000 on Indiegogo. You do, you know, what you're hearing here books. is what you're hearing is, is the voice, the sound of someone who is 20 days into a Kickstarter and hasn't slept. 
the yeah. idea of, of running a second campaign is not exactly something that uh, I'm super uh, excited Side. about sure. uh, in this moment. Sure. So, no, I can totally understand that. So, no. So we haven't. I mean, I, never say never, I guess, is what yeah. I would say. But yeah. I would say the likelihood of us running the second campaign it's probably neck and neck with the likelihood of Lance coming out of retirement and, and throwing on that double nickel Jersey again. Yep. I know what that, I know what the percentage of that is. <laughs> so how did, how did you guys, how did you guys uh, first connect? Because Lance, you said it was while you were with the bears. Uh, how, how did you, how did you two meet? What was the, well, the story there? Well, I tend to prefer dimes, but I had to settle for nickels. There um, you go. Hey, they add up. They add up. They do add up. Yeah. Um, well, the short the short version is that um, I'm a huge Chicago Bears fan, and I was writing comics professionally for for Marvel and DC, and there was an article in the Chicago Tribune about um, one of my favorite Chicago Bears, Lance Briggs, and his love of comic books, and I was like. I'm going to file that away in the back of my mind. Yeah. And, um, and then we, we just, um, we just, we, I don't remember how we actually connected. It might've been through Lawrence. It could have been through, yeah. Through Lawrence, Lawrence. Holmes, a mutual friend Lawrence. of ours yep. um, in Chicago. Uh, he's a radio host and a big comic book guy as well. And then um, Lance came out to LA and we grabbed lunch. We did a tour of the DC offices. Yep. Um, uh, we listened to some Prince. I remember that. Uh, <laughs> yes. Do you remember that? R.I.P. I, I I had I had Prince's greatest hits playing in the car, and Lance Lance gets in, he goes, "Oh, it's like that, huh?" <laughs> <laughs> I'm a big fan. I love, yeah, of course. And uh, and then we just stayed in touch, and 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 always, every so often we would reconnect to talk about comics and yeah, and the possibility of like, <laughs> hey, would, do we want to do something one day? And then once Lance retired, and and I was leaving Power Rangers, you know, I had some more time and and we but again about a, about a year and a half maybe a little longer yeah. is when we first we we started sitting down to to actually talk pretty seriously about okay what could this look like mm -hmm. found the idea from the idea you know we we just continued the dialogue and um uh from from there just we we started world building you know we started world building and we'd go back and forth and put stuff together and uh Kyle either liked it or he didn't love it and love it you know so we'll go back to the drawing board and and then until we got the the pieces to fit um and once we got the pieces to fit we we got ready for the kickstarter so is this is this the new uh the new career for Lance Briggs comic book writer uh, you know because it's to go back to to something I said earlier when you find the people that are the surprise fans uh, for a long time, you know, Rosario Dawson, for example, she's a well-known actress and suddenly she's on a talk show and she's talking about how she's such a big fan of Star Trek. She starts spouting off a bunch of Klingon and everybody's like, I didn't realize that she was such a big fan. You've got President Obama saying that he's a big fan of Star Trek. You've got uh, uh, Daryl uh, from Run DMC. And uh, I can't, I can't yeah. for the life of me, can't remember his name right now. But we've interviewed him a couple of times. He's gotten into comic books. So do, when when you start co talking comics, Lance, do, do, are people surprised that you have this in your background? I mean, you're part of the Chicago Bears. You're a professional football player, and you like comic books. Does that ever surprise anyone? Uh, yeah. You know, I was in um, 
I went to a, my old teammate's house, uh, Anthony Adams, uh, a couple of days ago, and um, he asked me a question. Actually, he had interviewed me, and then I went to his house afterwards, and he had asked me a question. He's like, "Why didn't you ever, um, why didn't you ever tell tell anybody in the locker room that you read comics?" You know, I I said because I'm in the locker room. Nobody wants to hear me talk about comics in the locker room. You know, and that's kind of been my relationship with comics and football growing up. You know, it just you have to find someone that is as passionate as you are or really into it, you know, and you can be tricked if you see a kid who likes the X-Men cartoons, you know, because they like the X-Men cartoons doesn't mean that they like comic books. They're a comic book fan. Right. They just really like the, the cartoon, you know. So um, there's that and there's also the the um the fan theory for me you know where um kyle's a, a chicago bear fan he's been in the comic book industry for you know a number of years for a really long time you know i've been in the football industry all my life and i'm a comic book fan so i didn't really know how to tap into the the industry you know and i've, I've thought about it i mean i've had dreams. I've had notebooks of, of, of trying to create. I was like, man, this would be, I think this would be a cool story, you know, from me being in doodling in, in, in junior high school all the way till now. And so, you know, meeting with Kyle and going on this ride uh, with this Kickstarter and creating this, uh, this graphic novel is just, it's been pretty awesome. So let me ask this, because you mentioned the animated X-Men and th- we've, we've had a, a number of conversations here about the fact that, the people that go see the superhero movies are not necessarily people who are going to the comic book shops and picking up issues. And I'm looking at this image here, uh, uh, and I'm getting a little bit of a, of an animated static shock vibe. So have you guys, have you guys blue skied a little bit? Is there, is there a possibility that we could see, uh, this IP going into other media, uh, animated or TV or movies. Have y'all talked about that? Has that been one of those? You know, it would be cool if, or or have you have you allowed yourselves to think about that yet? Well, it's always a possibility, but there's. Yeah. I mean, I I live in Los Angeles. Like this is, and I direct. So like this is a, right. another side of my life. Right. It's not as simple as like. Right. Oh yeah. You know, I, you know, wouldn't, oh man, we should just do this, you know? So, um, there's a good yeah. old saying, there's a good old saying, you, you never want to put the cart before the horse. All right. Yeah. Right. Right. Now, um, one step totally at a time. That. We, we've, we've, we've talked about it. Sure. But here's the thing. And this is a personal thing for me. Um, I have never made a book in order to try to, to yeah. sell a movie or a TV show. Like, and if you're doing that, like, it's the wrong reason to be making a book like, and, yeah. and I take a variation on those meetings. It feels like once a month, every once, every two months where it's like a friend or somebody or an acquaintance is like, Hey, can you, you know, a friend of mine is a screenwriter. He has the screenplay. He really wants to turn into a comic book. Like, can you, can you talk to them? And the thing I always say is like, if that's, if you want to make a comic because you love comics and you respect the medium, mm-hmm. great. Like I'm like, I'm happy to help where I can help. Yeah. Um, but if you're just looking to make a comic because you think it somehow you think it strengthens your underlying IP um, of your your screenplay or your idea or your whatever, 
like it's a huge waste of time and Mm -hmm. and the book's never going to be as good as it could be because you weren't really thinking about the book you were thinking about what the book might get you right right and so i don't know that i don't know that lance and i have even actually had a conversation about like well would this be a better movie or a tv show like i don't i don't think we've even had that conversation yet because the priority and the focus is we want to make an awesome book yeah and the other stuff if that's a possibility down the line it's a possibility but um it's not going to matter if the book doesn't work so that that's been kind of all of our focus right now anyway so so let me ask you this in terms of uh the the crowdfunding model Mm-hmm. And putting this book out there, it's 120 pages. It's this is this massive graphic novel project. Is crowdfunding here to stay? Because there's been a lot of talk back and forth, the question of sustainability when it comes to crowdfunding comics. Can it be done over and over and over again? We've seen a number of projects now that are into their second and third and fourth iteration you guys have talked about doing more than one book if this one goes well you're looking at a second and a third one is the crowdfunding model now an integral part of the comics industry as a whole do you think is it here for a while i don't know i mean i there are people far more experienced than me that that probably have a more uh, well-informed opinion on something like that um this is my first kickstarter um, I will say that um, there is something, look, it's what's really cool about crowdfunding and, and this applies to us, but it applies to so many other creators um, is that it is an avenue to, if you have an idea and if you have the drive to make it, it is certainly an avenue for you to get it made without being reliant on publisher connections or publisher tastes or whims or, or things of that nature. Um, it's also a way to maintain full ownership of something, um, which is very, very important to me and to Lance um, and to Danilo, our, our co-creator on this. Um, our, you know, he's doing all the art. Um, there's a reason I only do my creator-owned books at Image because it's the best deal in comics. It's the best deal in entertainment and it empowers creators. Um, crowdfunding is a version of that because you're not doing a book with a, a publisher that wants to own 50%, if not 100% of the, of the IP that you are creating. Mm. Um, and that's a whole other conversation of pet peeve of mine. And so crowdfunding is again, something that's attractive um, for that reason, because it does enable uh, creators to get their books made and get them out there. As far as sustainability, um, I have no idea. I mean, the Kickstarter community is growing for sure. And certainly during these times, um, when Diamond shut down um, during the shelter in place order, the idea of like, what do we do for dis- distribution now going forward if, if this, if Diamond isn't going to work out? Right. Um, I think something like crowdfunding um, can certainly be one avenue that works in addition to the traditional direct market. Um, but 
I don't know, you're, you're selling directly to customers. And one of the, the tricky things about crowdfunding then is like, okay, you're, you're putting out your book to a couple hundred, maybe a couple thousand people. Um, does that's not a huge audience, um, but it does finance getting the book or, or making the book. Right. What happens if you try to then bring the book to a traditional publisher because now it's completed? Is a tra traditional publisher interested because you already just pre-sold it to your audience? So why would a traditional publisher take it on? Those are questions that I don't think have a great answer or, or there have not been great answers for yet. Yeah. Um, but again, I'm so new to this space that yeah. I don't feel that uh, I, I don't feel that um, comfortable or, or, or confident to, to speak on it with any semblance of authority. Well, I think the other the other question on that is whether or not the crowdfunded books could find a space in the comic shops. Because well, that's what, I, that's know, what at, I just said. That's the, yeah, exactly, at the retail that's exactly level. what I mean. Yeah. yeah. Lance, you, you were starting yeah. to say them there. You know, the, you know I'm, I'm even more new to this than Kyle is, but uh, I do know that there are a lot of young minds out there, um, super creative, um, innovative um, minds that don't know how to tap into this industry that would love to, you know, that are as passionate about it as all of us. Um, you know, I met a kid uh, getting my hair cut <clears throat> in the South side of Chicago. And um, this kid uh, is a 12 year old boy. And he, um, he is just, he does art. That's all he does is his art. You know, she showed me his, uh, his iPad book and in his iPad book is just pages and pages and pages of art. And, and, uh, you know, his mom said, this is just what he does every day. He loves this, you know, and this is uh, this industry, I think, uh, is really made for him, you know, and I think if he would, you know, <clears throat> just knowing opportunities or not knowing opportunities, the kid's going to draw whether he's in the comic book industry or not. He's going to be drawing the rest of his life. And just just one of those things, you know, when you go out and uh, you go out in the baseball and you see a kid. Uh, that hits home runs every every week you're like you know this guy's going somewhere like this guy is going to be a, a major leaguer one day you know and um and just in passing and getting my hair cut um I spent five minutes uh, looking through this kid's uh his sketchbook and I know that this is something that he really loves to do so you know I don't know where what you know the the space where kickstarter belongs in this industry or in the production companies, but I know there are a lot of inspired kids um, from 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 the history of of comics that would love to be a part of it. Kyle, you mentioned image, and a lot of comparisons have been made between crowd the crowdfunding model and and what happened with image in the beginning there. And you talk about owning owning the IP, owning what the what the stories are. Does that put you guys, and, and this is probably not even something that you've th thought of yet, but with more of you who have worked in Marvel, DC, uh, Image, Boom, all of the, the traditional publishers, uh, those of you like you and Scott Snyder and Sean, does that put you in a different kind of position with relation to the publishers now? Because now you can sit there and go, well, I have another option. I don't necessarily have to work for DC or Marvel. Now I can go do my own thing. Has that 
kind of been in the back of your head a little bit as far as, you know, if this thing succeeds, this thing takes takes off as it looks like it's it's about to do, then you have another avenue that's not just your <clears throat> traditional publishing route. Um they're very different uh itches that you scratch. Um when I write for Marvel and DC, I write it's work for hire. I mean, I'm writing for, it's a different type of writing and it's for different reasons than right. writing a creator owned book. So I don't know that those two necessarily lump in together. Um, the, the, the dream is to just for most creators is to be able to just entirely do their own worlds, their own creator owned projects. The realities are that um, Marvel and DC work are a way they're very commercial. Like they're, they are a way to keep your foot in the direct market and those kind of commercial waters. And, and hopefully that they actually help when you are doing a creator owned project, because, you know, your name associated with Batman will always help more than your name, not being associated (laughs) with Batman. Right. Um, That said though, there's also the component of like, those characters are just really fun to write. You know, like I'm a huge Batman fan. Um, so it was a dream come true to, to be able to write Batman. And, and as you can see behind me, I'm a massive Nightwing fan. It was a dream come true to write, you know, my all time favorite character since I was 10 years old. Um, so they're different. They're different itches. Uh, but as far as like on the creator own side, like there are, I'll put it this way. I would do a Kickstarter over a lot of publishers that fancy themselves as creator-owned publishers. So in that regard, yes, I I think it is good to have uh, options that are more um, creator-friendly for for lack of a better kind of uh, uh, term or statement. Um, Like I said, image is is the best deal in comics, if not the best deal in entertainment. Um, So I'll always do books there. Um, but yes, this is a nice, um, this is an interesting, um, different avenue, um, to, to build out potential creator owns going forward. And Lance, do you have ideas past the, the arc of the trap? Have you been, you know, you said, you know, jotting down notes and, and filling up pages with various different ideas of things that you want to do next? Yeah. So, um, I will tell you, you know, when we sat down in the little uh, coffee shop, you know, I had a I had a big notebook, you know, of ideas that he shot down left and right. He shot my <laughs> ideas down left and right. I was like, no, this is a good one right here, you know, <laughs> which is fine. I mean, it's you know, it's I I I I really brought it um, because I wanted to bounce ideas off, you know, and get ideas, get the creative juices flowing. Um, but yeah, my, my, my imagination, even at 39, I'm, it's, it's pretty endless. You know, I, 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 it's, it's been that way since I was a little boy. Um, I see it in my kids and it's awesome, you know, and I thank my mom for not making fun of me when I was throwing my, uh, my, my buddy, my little, my buddy around and pretending he was the evil guy that I had to banish and, and uh, she just let me be, and I, you know, I'm happy for it. So it's, uh, uh, I have a, yeah, I have a. T- so to, so to answer your question, yes, 
I have a ton of ideas and I have a lot of characters. I, um, I hope and I thank Kyle, you know, for taking me on this ride and, and I hope that it, uh, it opens some doors, you know, to continue to create. All right. And the, the current project is called The Trap. It is currently funding on Kickstarter now. Looks like it's going to make gold. It's got 10 days to go. So uh, we will put a link in our show notes to that so you can check that out. Lance Briggs and Kyle Hickens, thanks very much for being here today, gentlemen. We do appreciate it. Oh, our pleasure. Thanks for having us. You got it. All right. Take and care. don't forget also tonight we do have our walking and rolling costumes virtual party. These are the costumes built for kids with special needs, wheelchairs, walkers. Episode four tonight at 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 o'clock Central, followed by a new H2O podcast uh, in its entirety immediately following that. And we will have that. And of course, we've got a very busy broadcast week this week. A uh, full roster of guests on this particular show. We will be back with more uh, tomorrow at uh, 1 p.m. Eastern, Nude Central. Rob Geronimo will be here to talk about his project. And we will have uh, videos of all sorts that you can check out. If you haven't subscribed yet, uh, we ask that you consider it. And uh, we will be back with more here on Sci-Fi For Me TV. Thanks for being here, everyone. This has been a presentation of Sci-Fi For Me Radio. Copyright 2020 by Flaming Dog Media, LLC. All rights reserved. No portion of this program may be retransmitted without the express written consent of Flaming Dog Media.